Welcome to Make Money Count, the podcast by Connect Home Financing. Be sure to visit makemoneycount.com to find all of our old episodes. Be sure to rate, comment, and review on all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you want to send us a question, please send us a question to hello at connect.ca. That's connect with an A. If you're not already a subscriber, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Thank you once again for listening to Make Money Count. And now your hosts, Marcus Averis and Justin Turner. Hey guys, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and stick around for some details about our upcoming contest. Be sure to visit makemoneycount.com to find all of our old episodes. It's Make Money Count. Hey, Justin. Marcus is here again. It's very exciting. We're in the studio together. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Before we kick this off, I was thinking this morning about a question that I always asked myself as a child, and I would like to ask you. Hmm. If you had a superpower, what would it be? I'm just curious. I know what mine is, and I'll tell you mine after. You don't have this locked and loaded, eh? I'm, it, it's, it's either flying or invisible. Flying or invisible. Mine's a bit weird. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Mine would be, because I used to lose things a lot as a kid, mine would be that whatever the, uh, that I could just pick an item and ha- it would have eyes and I could see from that item's perspective. Brutal. Is that lame? Matt, kind what's of. yours? Uh, to probably teleportation. Right. In better news, the market is up today. Yeah. I mean, it was down a lot yesterday. Yeah. 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 So, okay, Matt, my uh, SPY puts, yes. I, I sold them. You cashed in. Yeah. Um, so I bought them, and I don't know if you were following along. I bought them, um, and they immediately fell. They went down because the market had some strength. And then we last week we saw like a lot of selling in the market, brought the S and P down to that like thirty thousand seven hundred thirty six fifty, and when that happened, my S and P puts were in the money, so I sold them. And um, now you're taking us out for dinner. Made a fifty percent tidy little fifty percent profit. Now you're taking us out for dinner. I mean, like, whatever. Are we doing that Blue Jay thing tomorrow? Who do you think pays for that? We are doing the Blue Jay thing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, if I would have lost, I would have still had to pay for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, me, 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 me. Uh, go Jays go. Go Jays go. Oh, by the way, we should do a... Uh, my, my brother-in-law reminded me of this. We should do some type of a giveaway for the Blue Jays for the playoffs. Because there's playoffs coming up now, and the Blue Jays are going to be in it. Yeah. yeah. So we could do like a playoff ticket giveaway. How's this? How about uh, if you're watching, anywhere you're watching, if you're listening anywhere, why don't you go over to our YouTube channel and leave a comment? Yeah, maybe Ask the comment a- could be how we could fix the green screen. <laughs> go back on yourself. How do we fix the, the green screen? I'm, uh, there we go. There like we go. what level of <laughs> competency is required like the best part is you got to see what Matt looks like. Like he's got this like what could only be described as like a green hula hoop. 
with <laughs> nylon stretched across it, taped to his back. It's true. And yet the only thing that looks dumber than what he looks like in real life is when he <laughs> implements the green screen. Thanks, Marcus. I do like his shirt, though. It has cardinals on it. Is that a cardinal? Yes, it is. Since you're listening to the podcast version of Make Money Count, we're going to ask you to head over to youtube.com slash connect and find this latest podcast episode. It's number 45. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel, thumbs up the video, and leave a comment, and you'll be entered in to winning some Blue Jays tickets. So today, I think we're going to stray a little bit away from just talking about the market mm-hmm. um, because we got a couple questions. Actually, we have one market-related question that we got, um, but the rest of the questions are mainly focused around uh, who would have thunk mortgages. Great. Specifically for self-employed people. Good. That's a good one. So that, yeah. yeah, so we can chat a little bit about that. Before we go, though, because... Um, uh, well, before before we get on to, into that, I did have this one market question. Should we just read it right now? Yeah, go for it, bro. Why does the Bank of Canada raise the interest rates even though they know that this inflation was artificially caused by the federal liberal government with a huge carbon tax implementation in January and then a provincial government carbon tax implementation, pipeline cancellation and housing price crisis caused by the highest immigration in Canadian history? Nothing will lower the inflation unless they deal with these factors. It's this so, person obviously votes conservative. Okay, so I don't understand how the pipeline in Alberta causes global inflation. Let's unpack it one thing at a time. Okay. Okay. Thing number one: carbon tax credit. Mm-hmm. They believe that the carbon tax is an issue that is leading to the inflationary pressure that we're seeing globally. The second thing, on a more micro basis, you're right, Matt. They are commenting that the fact that Canada has been slow in energy policy, let's, let's call it what it is, right? Energy policy across the board. We've spoken about this before, right? When, energy, when your policy towards energy is broken, it breaks your foreign policy, right? Because right? it creates these uh, despots around the world, these like powerful strongmen or countries that you know you rely on for your energy those countries become ever more powerful and then you have to adjust your foreign policy to react to it um so carbon offset uh pipeline and the housing crisis was that it no no he was just saying like the government followed by the provincial carbon tax credit i understand but there was three things in there i think it was like Oh, immigration. Immigration, highest immigration. Okay. I mean, okay, so on a domestic level, I don't think that any of these factors play a strong enough role to impact global demand for any of those commodities, which the, it's, the, it's the global energy crisis that is causing the the inflationary pressure we're seeing in energy, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's more a factor of global uncertainty than it is domestic. However, um, if you were to look at like this, this future that kind of Donald Trump wanted to take us down, which was to kind of 
more silo economies around the world. So like the United States would, you know, make America great again. They would bring back factory jobs. They would create more energy onshore, right? You could argue that in a more domestic focused, more kind of siloed or barriered nationalistic environment, you could control, especially Canada could control energy prices more effectively if they if we more effectively utilized our own natural resources. Right. The problem is is that you can't blame the liberal government for that because like in order for Canada to switch to this type of, you know, barriered domestic nationalistic economy would take decades. Not you know, years. three or four years. Yeah. And also like it's not the direction the the world is going and that's not the direction that creates um spurns innovation and like creates the all the great things that we've seen in the world right it, it's an international economy right like the you fail when you go backwards right, right? you got to go forwards right so um i agree so with I, you on that Marcus. i don't yeah so i don't think that um thanks matt <laughs> just saying like it's 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 a strong point that like going forward like reverting back to things that didn't work it's you know repeating itself right right yeah so like to end like listen there's some good points this person's bringing up right like um and we're in we have a problem right now because like canada could be in a much more dominant position with respect to its energy policy right but we're not because we haven't invested in it and we've been very nimby-ish, right? Like not in my backyard. Right. Um, and as a result, we are very much subjected to oil price shock. Um, I mean, that being said, like it, it does benefit Alberta. Right. Um, as far as like immigration goes, immigration is what is going to help us through these difficult economic times, right? Mm -hmm. Focusing on bringing in good, hardworking immigrants into our country. It's what historically makes Canada amazing. Yeah. Right? Like we are not a, I heard like this is a while ago, but I heard somebody say like the United States is a melting pot. Canada is a country with diversity. Right. Right. Like you come and you hold on to your culture mm -hmm. and you 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 take some of the Canadian culture and you have some of your own culture and you bring that culture into Canada. Right. So I have so many different amazing restaurants and, mm -hmm. you know, festivals and like it, it makes a country rich. Right. Um, and the more kind of insistent and protectionist you become about you know, um, more right wing. And a lot of countries are going that way. Like Italy just elected um, a, a right wing government, right? Very anti-immigration, very like different stance. Right. Uh, and they like the, initially the, the headlines were all like, oh, they're going back to the days of Benito Mussolini. Not really, because if you look at it, even when Berlusconi was um, was in charge of Italy, he was in, within his government in order to to, to obtain a majority, he was dealing with uh, minority uh, right-wing government. Right. Um, so I think 
and we spoke about this briefly last week. When you get into these trying times, it's easy to bring in a government or a leader who might not, who might have more kind of tough stances on, on yeah. different things, right? Um, so to answer this guy's question or this gal's question, um, what Matt said, I mean, uh, the energy policy in Canada isn't affecting inflation right now. Um, the inflation in Canada is the inflation around the world. That inflation is brought on by, you know what? <laughs> the one thing he's very right about is the misspending of the liberal government, mm. right? It, it, was, it was each country's opportunity. Like this globalist agenda was to push a whole bunch of money into the economy during COVID. Right. Right. Um, and that was part of a playbook that was designed well in advance of COVID coming into play. Mm -hmm. And the way we spent that money in Canada didn't have to be the way they spent the money everywhere else. Right. Could have been like, if we had the playbook that like, Oh, okay. Once a shock like this comes in, it's time to just pump money into the economy. Like we had that playbook. Why didn't we write the playbook longer than one chapter? It was like the playbook was just an intro. It was like the guy, like they tasked a group of people. Yeah, they tasked a group of people. They're like, okay. They got into a room. They were like, let's just figure out how we're going to prepare for every eventuality. Okay, Matt, you're in charge of preparing for if an asteroid strikes Earth. Matt's like, okay, I got it. We're going to send up a spaceship and smash it into the asteroid. By Which the way, happened yesterday. That Maybe. happened last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cool. Crazy. Yeah. Didn't hear whether it was successful or not. It was successful. Oh, uh, great. Okay. So, I, hey, guys, breathe easy today. Matt, <laughs> check mark. Okay. You, you did well on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Justin, you're in charge. If we ever get stricken by a virus that is non-lethal, how can we shut the economy down? No, no, just kidding. They, they thought the virus was going to be a disaster, right? If we ever get struck by a really bad virus, what's the playbook? And then Justin went out. He was like, he got the smartest people together with him. They went out for chicken wings and they started writing it. And they were like, okay, this is what we do. We know that the economy is going to fall on hard times and people aren't going to be able to go out and spend. So we'll give them money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll give them money. What kind of wings are we going to order? Hot wings? Yeah. Okay. Let's get the hot wings. And then they got the wings and they left it. Just like that. We're just going to give people money. If they had held off on ordering the wings and they could have written this a little further, they could have figured out maybe the things they should have been spending the money on. How do we control where the money goes? How do we put it into education? How do we put it into making sure that we're increasing the potency of our workforce? How do we put it into stimulating areas of our economy like technology that we know are going to help us out long into the future. Where are the places that money should go? We didn't do that. So I mean, that's what we could have done. We don't know that I, we didn't do that. I might have just spilled blue cheese sauce on it. Anyways, you get the drift, right? Two. We didn't write the full playbook. The full playbook wasn't implemented. And as a result, we were left with massive inflation. And it was almost like, like we just threw gasoline on the fire. The fire... <laughs> burned up and we're just left with the the headache the hangover from the end of it now right which is already starting to abate and um i think that you know 
it, that in the spring we'll be in a very different position talking about inflation. Right. Yeah. I feel like in terms of like clients that are coming to us for mortgages, it's kind of like when you burn yourself and then like the initial pain goes away, but it still kind of hurts, but you're accepting of it, right? Like right. clients are more, more accepting of what's going on in the market right now, because for a while, I mean, 5% interest rates weren't that savory, right? Like that was, that was a shock. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, um, okay. Why don't we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a moment. The level of competition in the market is between the mortgage finance companies. Absolutely. Mortgage finance companies are setting the market for rates and then the bank picking and choosing when they want to compete. But I'll tell you one time they never compete is with their existing borrowers. Yes. If you are an existing client of a bank and you're in a variable rate mortgage, you will not receive a competitive bid on a fixed rate when you're converting unless you show that you're shopping. And even then, they're aware of the fact that you're going to be paying a penalty to break. If you have a mortgage, you want to probably call Connect just to feel out the situation right now. If you have a mortgage and you're sitting at home and you're like, geez, is inflation an issue that I have to worry about? Let's talk through it. We've got a tool on our website that can tell you how much you can borrow using your house and what the price is. It's the only tool like that in all of Canada. You go in, you enter in your address, you say, I want a Connect Flex loan. You get a price, you download it, it's approved. We fund you in 24 hours, nothing like that. All right, we're back. And after a heated discussion about how Matt's uh, green hula hoop is ruining the Canadian economy, uh, we're here to talk about mortgages again. Let's do it. Let's do it. Should we just get into more questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hi, Justin and Marcus. I need some advice. I tried to get a second mortgage from my bank earlier this year. I'm assuming they mean line of credit. Uh, And they were not able to help me because I am self-employed. Very common. They asked, uh, they advised me to go to an alternative lender because they would have more options for me. And I ended up getting a second mortgage or from a private lender, but now I'm stuck with a really high rate. My first mortgage with my bank is 300,000 at three and a half percent. And my, all, or my second mortgage is 150,000 at 12%. These 12% payments are killing me and I'm not sure where to go from here. Is there any way I can get myself into a better position? Self-employed. Self-employed. If they're income qualifying, mm-hmm. this might be a refi. So first things first, what do we do? We whack it. Weighted average cost of capital. If my buddy Brian Leland was listening to this right now, he would be like, yes. Um, because the first time I ever met Brian Leland, he walked into my office. I was working at a mortgage office at like Stuffrin and Steel's. And he walked into my office and he saw me working on my spreadsheet trying to do weighted average cost of capital. By the way, when I first started, like 20 years ago, interest rates were probably about where they are right now. Right. And we had things like the 95% refinance with a 7% cash back. The heydays. Anyways, so, and very important, we got to whack this up. So, weighted average cost of capital is basically just saying the total amount of money that you owe, excuse me, the total amount of money that you owe and the proportionate rates that you pay on that money. Right. To equal one, the interest rate to rule all interest rates for your debt. Yeah. In this case, there's only two pieces, so it's pretty easy to do, right? So we got one piece of debt, $300,000 at 3.5%. 3.5. We got another piece of debt, $150,000 at 12%. Correct. Okay. So total amount of debt is $450,000. Yeah, $150,000, yeah. Yeah. So total amount of debt is, is $450,000. Two-thirds of the debt, 
300,000 of which uh-huh. is at 3.5%. Correct. So 66% of the debt is at 35 mm-hmm. and 33% of the debt is at 12. Mm-hmm. So you multiply 66, 0.66 times 3.5, and then you multiply, and then you add that to 0.33 times 12. Okay. And what you end up with is uh, 2 point um that was 2.5 personally i just used the spreadsheet that you made 20 years ago yeah no that's good i would say what like 2.3 um no i'm a point percent. so you're like one and a half 2.2 so 2.2 plus um four six point two percent is the weighted average cost of capital for this borrower Perfect. Right now, that's where it sits, okay. which is not bad. Yep. If they qualify, mm-hmm. so if their income qualifies them, and what was the value of the home? Uh, they didn't say, but oh. they're from Toronto, so, so hopefully it's we can assume them. a million. Yeah. <laughs> For now. For now. Um, <laughs> so listen, if they qualify, I'd put them in a variable rate right now. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the 12 seems high depending on, I mean, we don't know what the equity situation is, but 12% still, even in this market, seems a little high right. for that second. Right. Um, the other thing is you want to think about what the break fee, now the break fee would be three months interest on that thing. Mm-hmm. And so it, the only real question you want to ask the borrower is what's the time horizon? Yeah. How long are they planning on holding on to that 175? Do they need more than 175? How much time do they give themselves with that 175? Mm-hmm. What's the credit score like? What's the plan with the money? Mm-hmm. But um, it'd be great if they could qual- if we could qualify that borrower for a new variable rate mortgage mm-hmm. at prime minus one. Mm-hmm. They're at four forty five, right? And you know they're saving two points on four hundred fifty thousand dollars. There's nine grand in their pocket, right? Which is kind of why, like, the importance of weighted average cost of capital is if for no other reason than to highlight to the borrower how much, how effective it can be at reducing the amount they're spending on interest. Right. Like for this borrower right now, that's $9,000 difference in interest expenses every single year. And in almost all cases, it's an after-tax expense. Right. So if you're taxed at 50%, there is $18,000 that you're saving yourself. Right. right, pre-tax money. It's a big thing. That's huge. Yeah, huge. Uh, and and I mean, it just you know, the payments that they are making right now is all going to interest. They're not doing anything from their for their principal situation. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, assuming that yeah, most of them are. Yeah. Like that. What other questions we got, bro? You want another question? Yeah. Are you ready? Hey guys, born ready. Hey guys, I've been having some trouble getting approved for a mortgage and I'm trying to purchase my first home, but banks have been giving me a hard time because I'm self-employed. I'm kind of lost with this process right now and I'm not sure if there is somewhere else I should be looking. A few people have told me to reach out to B lenders, but from what I understand, their rates seem high. Do you have any suggestions? That's a bit hard to unpack. Well, there's not really much detail there. There's not much detail. You reach out but, to a B lender. Yeah. Well, I mean, it all comes down to like, you know, what do you have down? 
you know, there are some products. Why don't you answer this question? Okay. Well, I can try. I can definitely answer it. So, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, uh, how much do you have down and what your financials look like? Because, you know, with, with uh, mortgage insurers these days, if you are putting less than 20% down, maybe the bank's giving you a hard time because you're uh, less than one year or less than two years self-employed. You know, we can navigate some of that stuff with with some of these mortgage insurers, right? So there are options for you. The problem is, is when you go into your bank, you are dealing with a bank employee, right? When you come to a mortgage professional or, a, you know, a brokerage, doesn't have to be Connect, but, you know, we would like it to be if you so are inclined. Yeah. Um, you know, you're dealing with someone who knows all of the information that they need in order to get you into the best position um, that, that, that you can be in. Right. So, you know, again, without a lot of, a lot of information there, like, you know, what you do for a living or, or like, you know, what's your self-employment income coming from, um, and how much you have to put down and what you want to buy for, you know, what I would say is what it boils down to is just reaching out to somebody who knows exactly what they're doing. And I think that's the best thing that you can do. Right. In a market like this, the advice is more important than ever. Yeah. Right. Because the, the, underwriting rules are changing Mm -hmm. so the lenders that were would have previously approved something aren't going to approve that that same deal now right right even the b lenders Mm -hmm. like home trust is tightening up their loan to values yeah their geographic lending areas like things are in flux right now Mm -hmm. so calling a b lender on your own can be somewhat daunting Mm -hmm. there are what 20 B lenders out there. And then there are another hun- there are hundreds of mortgage investment funds. Right? So and sometimes the perfect solution is a combination of things. Right. Right? In in a market like this, many times it's a combination of things. And then you won't know things like, "Oh, if I deal with this lender and they insist that I pay my interest up front, do I get it back to me when I pay the mortgage down early?" Right. What are the penalties associated with breaking a mortgage? Who has high legal fees? There are so many intricacies in dealing with these things that, yeah, you need somebody that does a lot of them. Right. Right. Like today I was at the gym this morning and I was talking to a buddy of mine and he threw out the 10,000 hours thing. He's like, yeah, I just, I got a problem trying to figure out how to solve it. and just need to find that guy that's got or the, the, the company that's got the 10,000 hours on it. <clears throat> Same thing goes for this tough situation right now. You need to be dealing with somebody or company person who has seen these things before. Yeah. Who knows how to guide you on this? Because if you're just if you're trying to unpack something like this on your own, it's going to be messy. Mm-hmm. And the problem is the banks, I mean, they do have people working there that have advice for you, but they've spent the 10,000 hours on that bank, right? So, I mean, I would argue that very few people that advise on mortgages at the banks have 10,000 hours because like once they reach a certain level, they move somewhere else within the bank or Mm -hmm. they get juggled around. And yeah, if they do have 10,000 hours, they have it just on the bank's products. Yeah, exactly. And at a certain point, especially right now, they don't have the tools in the toolbox to help the people that are coming in. Right. I'll, I'll preface, like, I'll say, like, I talk to people all the time that, uh, you know, they only shop, you know, they renew their mortgage every few years They've only bought a house twice, maybe in their lifetime. But every time they come up to the situation, they think they know best. Right. But then I talk to like 
maybe a, a mortgage broker that uh, uh, is no longer being a mortgage broker. Maybe they've gone to a different career path. They'll be on the phone with us and they'll be like, what's going on in the market today? Because they know, even though they've done the underwriting or anything, they have the skills. We've got our ear to the streets. It's it's like a completely different uh, a way of like, how do you... If you are shopping, how do you get that promo that like we get as a brokerage? We get promos from lenders that aren't in the market. How do you get access to that if you're just a regular client and just calling up a lender saying, hoping to get in? I don't see that how that that can, I mean, B lenders are definitely the way to go if you're a self-employed person, if you're, you know, multiple rental income, if you've got bad credit, B lenders are great, but, you know, uh, just being able to pick out the right one you close your eyes and throw out a dartboard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Well said. I, I'm, I, I think what, what I was really impressed with at the Monday morning meeting this week was mm-hmm. how many deals people were working on that had been referred by other brokers. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like and you notice that happens in any time like this. Mm-hmm. Our office gets phone calls from other mortgage brokers looking for solutions. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a testament to how well educated the team is um, on what products are available. And just like the tenacity of the people answering the phones, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are so solutions driven and we're so competitive that like if, if, if we are tasked with finding a solution to someone's problem, mm-hmm we're not going to stop until mm-hmm. it's done. Yeah. Right. And I think that that kind of shines through in a lot of the work that we're doing right now. I think that's why, you know, I was, I've been speaking to other mortgage brokers, which I don't normally do just like buddies of mine that are in the industry. Everybody is down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not down. Right. We're doing more business than we did last year. Mm-hmm. And that is again, a testament to when times are tough when solutions are harder to come by, you need somebody who's willing to take on that challenge. Right. You need someone that, and like the other thing is, think about if you're in the position of a borrower right now. You're a borrower right now. Your borrowing costs are increasing. You are, your wallet is shrinking because the things that you spend money on are all increasing in price. Mm -hmm. It's anxiety riddled. It's stressful. It's a hard time to be, you know, a, a mortgage holder right now. Mm-hmm. you need a solution not only do you need a solution i don't and you tell me this you probably need a little more hand holding than normal mm-hmm. like you're probably calling maybe a little more often to find out like is it approved yeah like when's it closing yeah. when's this solution that we've structured come into play do you have the solution yet yeah so i think that you need two things right now in order to be successful as a mortgage brokerage uh, and a lender as we are I think the number one is you have to be very much solutions driven and you need that the tenacity to make sure that you see it through to the end and you don't give up on people. Mm-hmm. And number two, you need a bit of that, the empathy and the compassion in dealing with the borrowers. Because it's going to take a little longer mm-hmm. to get the solutions and the borrowers are going to need a little more handholding. Right. And I think that if you do those two things right in a market like this, um, which we're doing right, mm-hmm. right? Like we're focused on it. Um, I think that you come out very much ahead, mm-hmm. right? I think you come out very much ahead because you've got really good, loyal customers, which is what we've created over the last 20 years now. Um, 
and in a time when the market's in flux and you know mortgage brokers are leaving this the industry right now yeah you have an opportunity to as we're doing kind of increase your market share right absolutely matt do you know why marcus is so dreamy <laughs> sometimes i just sit here i mean there was an old clip where we stared into each other's eyes for for a considerable amount of time but as marcus speaks i just get taken away on a magic journey Oh, thank you so much. That's really, that's really nice of you. Uh, do we, we don't have any more questions. You know why? It's because I love the thing that I am doing and right. I love talking. And when you love talking and doing the thing that you're doing, you love talking about the thing that you're doing. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, like when Matt talks about conspiracy theories. Yeah. I mean, whatever, like whatever the thing is that you like, you should want, you should be willing to talk about it. I forget. Um, I used to do this thing from um, the stock exchange from the TSX every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, we should see if you could find a clip. I'll, yeah, I think I, I think I have a clip. We'll tease it in afterwards. But it was this thing where it was like every Friday, I would go live from the TSX, and I would say I would they would ask me how what happened in, during the week will affect people's mortgages. Right. There were all kinds of different things. Like one of them was like. Qaddafi, how is, you know, how, how is, how are his actions in Libya going to affect, um, your mortgage? Cause oil mm -hmm. prices were going up. Anyways, at the beginning, I was nervous going into these things. Right. And then I told myself, I was like, like, cause it's live, right? Yeah. And it's like at the end of the day on a Friday. So at the beginning I'd like have a couple of drinks and go there. And that wasn't really kind of good because it was like not, I wasn't sharp, right? Like I yeah. wasn't really like my best. And I was already like, this is me like, I don't know how many years ago, like, and I look older than I do now because I was like fat and like out of shape. Not that I'm in the best shape now, but that relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. And I told myself, I was like, listen, man, like if you can't put it together to answer a couple of questions about what you do, then you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Right. And if you're nervous that you're going to get stumped, who else can answer those questions? Right. And ever since then, it was kind of like the TSN turning point for me. It was like, you know what? I can do this. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not to say that I'm not like prepared, but I kind of like, I'm always reading about what's going on. I like think, seeing things that are going to impact our business. Um, so I enjoy it. Right. It's kind of like I'm, I'm like always at a relative state of preparedness. For this, right. For this right, right. Right. Listen, um, it'd be great if people that are watching this spread the word about it because we really love doing it. Mm -hmm. And the thing that needs to come across is that the way we speak, our unbiased way that we kind of go through these options for our borrowers. It comes through when you call us. Mm -hmm. So if you pick up the phone and call one of the Connect offices to speak to one of our agents and ask questions about your situation, you're going to get the same unbiased approach that we give to these uh, situations that we speak to on, on the show. And if you don't want to call, and we totally get that, you can go online and you can go to the Connect website, connect.ca, 
and you can check out the only fully automated mortgage tool in Canada. You type in your address and you get your options. Mm -hmm. We on the back end pull in all kinds of information in order to provide you with the ideas and the best options for you to use your home to borrow. And then after that, you can give us a call or we can give you a call. Right. But um, the whole premise behind Connect is unbiased, mm-hmm. right? That's how we operate. 100%. All right. All right. Well, I think that was a good show. Maybe next week, Matt will have a better green screen. And we can show it live. <laughs> Maybe can we can hope. do like a changing of the green screen, kind of like a changing of the guards. We can only hope. We yeah. can only hope. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.